This is Sportsnet Today with Riley Pollock and Patrick Dumas. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sportsnet Today for February 6, 2021. Feels like minus 31 out there, so hope you're warm. Uh, Riley, how the heck are you? Doing good. I'm warm inside my house, that's for sure, but uh, not going anywhere near outside until I have to today. Good, me too. Uh, so... We got a busy show ahead. We're going to be joined by former Stampeder John Bender. Talk Super Bowl 55 tomorrow. But first, we got a big one tonight. Battle of Alberta. Game 1 of 10 against the Edmonton Oilers. Joining us right now down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Pat Steinberg. How the heck are you, Patty? What's going on, boys? I'm good. How we doing? Oh, staying warm, man. That's all we can do. Yeah, she's uh, she's gross outside. It's not. Uh... Hey, welcome to winter. We've uh, we got we got a reprieve from winter for most of it, so it's finally here, I guess. Yeah, we've been lucky. So big one tonight. Uh, we got some lineup news. Uh, one of ten against the Oilers and uh, the debut of Blasty. But let's start with some lineup news. Byron Fraze in. Derek Ryan fractured finger. What does Fraze bring to the team tonight? Well, he's he's a guy that I think can step in and play that role pretty well. At the very least, it's a guy that has more than 100 NHL games and, and is a guy that I think he can be pretty comfortable of, comfortable about playing that, that fourth-line role. I don't think he'll bring you as much as what Derek Ryan brings you. I know Derek only plays like you know, 10, 11 game, 10, 11 minutes a night, but what he brings to the table is still pretty important. He's a really important penalty killer. He is extremely uh, versatile in terms of where you can use him at five on five. He's steady. He's consistent. He brings you a little offense from the bottom six when you need it. Uh, he's good in the face-off dot. Like, losing Derek Ryan is, is not ideal for this team, mainly because he is one of the more consistent, know-what-you-get-every-night type of guys. But I, I think Fraze is the type of player that can step in and, and at the very least do that job passively and can step in and, and you're not going to have a, a massive drop off, but that's not the only lineup change that, that we're looking at tonight, guys. It's just, we just don't know exactly what they're all going to look like. I, I think you can be pretty confident that phrase is in um, and, and he'll come in probably where Derek Ryan is centering that fourth line. But, I wonder if we're going to see Brett Ritchie make his Calfee Flames debut tonight. I think that's on the table. There's a lot of questions about whether or not Sam Bennett um, is is going to play. Like, I, I don't think it would be crazy to think that you could see Fraze, Ritchie, and Bennett in tonight, or two of those three, or just the one of those three. I'm pretty confident that that Fraze is going to play. The other two, I think that there's decent chances they could also be in, but until we see them hit the ice for warm-up, we don't know. Uh, I, I can You can be pretty sure that Dominic Simone is not going to play. He got the bag skate treatment following morning skate today, so that's 99.9% of the time an indication that he's not going to play. So uh, you could probably take Simone out on top of Ryan, so probably phrase and then one of Richie or Bennett comes in. The reason I throw Brett Richie's name in there is because he was also on the ice with the team uh, for optional morning skate today. They didn't go through line combos. So a little tougher to tell exactly what things are going to look like, but yeah, keep your eye on warm up because, and, and keep your eye on social media. It's about seven 30 tonight, because that's when we'll have a much better idea as to what things are going to look like. Jacob Markstrom is confirmed as your starter 
And I would imagine you're looking at the same defense pairings as what we've seen all year long. So it's those forward groups, who's in, who's out, and who's playing with who that is kind of up in the air right now. Now, with the Sam Bennett situation going on and everything, Coach Ward said, we'll know tonight, like you just said, we'll we'll see if he's in. Now, he's the type of player that you would think would flourish in a Battle of Alberta-style game, playoff fitting. Can this team coexist with Bennett and the situation? Or is it like we hear, oh, it's not a distraction, it's uh, water under the bridge. Is it going to be a serious problem? Do they have to make a move or is it like, Hey man, just sit upstairs for a bit and we'll figure it out. Well, I think like I think there's a good chance that he's gonna play tonight. So yeah. I mean I, I think that they're I think that they're gonna keep going forward with him as as an option. I mean it was it, it's it's funny that he got healthy scratched on Thursday. I, I wonder if this situation takes a different turn if Dominic Simone proves that, you know, I, this is where I'm supposed to be or and, and he can makes it hard on them to take him out of the lineup. And if Derek Ryan doesn't get hurt, I wonder if Bennett is still a healthy scratch and, and they hold him out. Look, here's here's kind of where I see the situation with Bennett, guys. I, I think the team is actively looking to fulfill his trade request. I, I really do believe that. Um, and I'm pretty confident that that's what's going on right now. But in the meantime, he's still a part of the team. And if there's an imminent trade, well, then I think maybe he doesn't play. But it's a little harder to make a trade these days. So I, I'm a little surprised as to how many turns this thing has taken. Uh, had you asked me on Thursday, I, I was pretty sure that he had played his last game as a member of the Flames. Then Derek Ryan gets hurt and everything gets changed a little bit. So all things considered, I think that the ultimate outcome is going to remain the same. The ultimate outcome being that I think he's going to get traded. I think he'll be playing somewhere else. And I think that they're going to try to do that as quickly as possible, but as quickly as possible where it makes sense for the organization. So, yeah, I, I think there's a chance that he plays tonight and, and, and a pretty decent chance that he plays tonight. And, and do I think it's a massive distraction? No, I think that they'll be able to, like, I think Sam will be able to exist in that locker room and, and continue along um, and, and play his game and block it out as a distraction. I don't, I don't worry about it taking over. I, I, I know for a fact that Sam is very well liked in there and, and he's a really, really popular teammate. So I think that stuff will work itself out. But at the same time, it's never going to be not a distraction. I don't think it's going to be one that completely takes over. I don't think it's going to be one that that turns the tide of their season. But you'd just rather not have that distraction, period. You'd rather just go forward knowing that everybody on the team is, is wanting to be there. And, and at the same time, I mean, if you're Sam – are you going to be able to play your best if you're in a spot that you don't love? I think he's going mm -hmm. to be a straight-up pro. I think that he is going to put everything in that he possibly can, but it's not easy. We've all been in spots where we don't love our work situation, and you're just mentally not going to be in a spot to be as productive or as good or as optimal if you don't love your spot. So that, that is something that I think is unavoidable, and I think that's why, when it's all said and done, the best eventual ultimate outcome is for the two sides to part ways. Just it, it can't be something that is done without it making sense for the organization. Yeah, very well said. Uh, now, with the they, they've lost two in a row. They've got a huge game tonight with Edmonton. 
is this team feeling a little vulnerable right now? Could more losses snowball into something that, you, you know, you're falling out? You see that four spot shrinking away. Tonight is a huge four-point game. Uh, like, trying to, like, do, do does tonight with the Battle of Alberta, is that a way that the Flames can boost themselves up? Or if, if, if it's a bad game, can they just, is this something they can really recover from? Well, I, th- I don't think that there's, especially this year, I mean, you take a look at what Toronto and Montreal is doing, uh, or are doing rather, and yeah, the Habs and the Maple Leafs are, are starting to put some separation between themselves and the rest of the pack. Um, and and what I guess you throw Winnipeg into that mix as well, because they're, they're sitting there right in that conversation too. So, I mean... You've got you've got a scenario where the Flames are currently three points back of what would be a playoff spot. Um, every game is a four-point game. I don't think there's going to be a ton of separation between, even if two teams do start to put a little space between themselves and the rest of the pack. I would be surprised if the number four spot ever gets completely out of reach for Calgary. Like I, I, I'm not saying that they're going to, uh, especially what we've seen through 10 games. I'm not sitting here suggesting that they're going to all of a sudden just run away with the division or they'll be home and cool in the playoff spot in, in a month. But I do think that that number four spot will be within reach for them, probably for Vancouver, for Edmonton, for Winnipeg. If like, I think that all those teams are going to be in striking distance of a playoff spot all season long whether or not they can lock it down that that becomes the ultimate question but um so i I don't think that we're at a spot where the the season is hanging in the balance or anything like that but at the same time they also need a better effort tonight they need to be much better than they were in the final two games against winnipeg um and and the the thing for me guys is that okay, I think they're going to be good tonight. I think the Flames will come out. They've got their most hated rival. They're back on home ice. I know there's no fans, but they they finally have an opportunity to control last change. They didn't like what happened Tuesday and Thursday against the Jets. So I I think they're going to be a pretty fired-up team tonight. I think they're going to have their details a whole lot better, and they're going to play with a lot of emotion, and that's great. But that'll be for tonight. And we saw that a week ago uh, when the Flames were in a very similar situation. They were getting criticized after a lackluster effort in Montreal, and they went out, they were uh, emotionally, they played with emotion, they got a shutout from Jacob Markstrom, and they came away with a 2 nothing win in Montreal. You're like, okay, well, that's the response they needed. And then that didn't carry over. So I think the response will be there tonight, but the important thing is, Okay, well, they they got to start to flatten out their game a little bit. They they need to they need to stop with the giant swings from period to period or game to game. So that's what's going to be important with this game. But it has to start with a good response. I think they're going to have a good response tonight. I think that they'll I be so uh, competitive at worst against the Oilers tonight. Yeah. Uh, turning to the opposition, are we watching the best hockey from McDavid and Drysaddle right now? I was going through McDavid's first 12 games to start, and he's never done this. So are we seeing the best of 97-29? Well, when's the last time you've seen a guy go two points per game for, <laughs> for that long? I mean, it's it's actually ridiculous when you think yeah. about what McDavid has done. And, and Drysaddle is only two points back of them. And and the crazy thing is, and I know that they are on a number one power play unit together that that has has really started to find their way here. But by and large, there was this there is this feeling that well Drysaddle's not much without uh, without McDavid. Well, that's no longer the case. Drysaddle's 
driving a line with uh, Kyler Yamamoto and Dominic Cahoon, and, and you know that that becomes a unit you have to worry about. And then you've got McDavid and his line with with Nugent Hopkins and and Jesse Puljujarvi. So. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, what we're seeing offensively from McDavid might be the most dynamic we've ever seen from him. And and that is probably hard to argue with what he's done to this point. And like, he's he's gradually and gradually exponentially gaining more and more confidence every year, which is which is scary because he's known he's the best player on the planet for a little while. The one thing that that remains a little bit of a worry, and I don't apply this so much to, to dry saddle as much as I do with McDavid is that look, I mean, there's nobody that is more dangerous. There is nobody uh, more dynamic and more terrifying with the puck on his stick. And from the offensive red line in or, or the red line in the offensive blue line in there's really nobody more dangerous on the planet than McDavid. But, you know, I think the questions about his all round game and the question about questions about his two way game. Yeah. I think they become a little bit more, a little bit more valid when you see the amount of goals that he's on ice for and, and some of the defensive questions that have arisen. I really think that Dreisaitl's 200-foot game or, or his two-way game, defensive game, I think he's taken some really big strides. I think McDavid has the ability to be the most dominant 200-foot player on the planet himself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that is still a little bit of, uh, of a worry to some. Now, I will say this. This year it has has been pretty crazy what he's been able to do. I mean, with, with McDavid on the ice, the Oilers are outchancing teams at high danger by a ridiculous amount. And so I, I don't think that you have to, to worry about it as much. Um, but I, I, I still think that is the biggest area where, you know, McDavid probably needs to take some strides. But what you're seeing from them offensively this year yeah, I mean, it almost, in, in some ways, it almost doesn't matter because to, to answer your question, what we're seeing offensively from McDavid at five on yeah. five, I think is probably the, the best it's ever been. Chatting with Pat Steinberg, host of The Big Show and Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, Pat, how's it going, bud? Hi, Riles. Riles is my son, if uh, you didn't know if you're listening right now. So it's good to be on with my son. <laughs> Um, do you, How do you, come back do you expect that? The... I completely derailed you. I apologize. You did derail me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you expect the rivalry to pick up right where it left off from last year? Because it, it got pretty heated and was the most intense it's been in a few years last year. Do you expect the same thing right off the bat tonight? Well, I, it's, it's funny because in one, in one breath, I'd be like, yeah, maybe not because no fans in the building. It's a different year, all that stuff. But then on the other side, I mean, they're playing each other 10 times this year. And here's the thing that gives me pause about saying that it won't be. The, the thing that, that maybe gives me a little bit of pause is the fact that these two teams played one another in a game that didn't mean anything. It meant something for getting set for the bubble, but it didn't really mean anything on July 31st, and it was pretty heated, especially from Edmonton's standpoint. Um, like Edmonton came out to play. Edmonton was physical. 
they came right after Calgary's top players. It, it wasn't nasty so much. It wasn't after the whistle stuff and, and anything like that, but it was, it was pretty physical and it was pretty heated. And that was an exhibition game. The first game both teams had played since March. So yeah, I think the rivalry is going to be there. I mean, I don't think that I'm, uh, I don't think that if I were to be in Vegas, and put money down on game one of a 10-game season series that I think that we're going to see Markstrom and Koskinen go head-to-head or anything like that. I don't know if it's going to boil over, but I'll say this. I think in one, two, three of the 10 games that these two teams play this year, I think we will see a boiling over. I think that we will see... Cassie and, and Kachuk go at it in some form or another. I think that we'll see some fights. I think all of that stuff will happen. These two teams do not like each other. And as much as there's no fans in either buildings when they play to kind of ramp things up that extra level, they still know that Edmonton people in Edmonton are not fans of the Flames and people in Calgary are not fans of the Oilers. So I think the rivalry has taken a step and I think that step was taken in those three straight games last year in January and February. And I don't think it's going to take a step back. I think that that step is going to be sustained, maybe even take a step forward in 10 games, probably take a step forward. If you're going to play each other uh, one fifth of your season. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm really excited to see how that plays out tonight. And final one from us here before we let you get ready for uh, flames game day in just under three hours. Uh, what what do you see the recipe to victory being for uh, for the Flames tonight? What's the recipe to success? Well, I think more than anything else, uh, taking away who the opponent is, I think that the, the Flames need to figure out how to steady their game. You know, I, the, the term 60-minute game is, is really used a lot when we talk about the NHL, so I'll try not to use that term. But if they can just steady out their game and, and – not have these stretches where they they are completely away from what we know makes them successful. You know, playing for like playing a full effort doesn't mean that you're dominating the entire game. It doesn't mean that you have the opposing team on their heels. They're paid to play too. They're paid to win the game too. So it's more about the Flames being detail-oriented all night long and, and not throwing the puck away in the, in the neutral zone and, and not getting frustrated if the opposing team starts to clog up the neutral zone. It's, it's sticking with your plan and, and not getting into bad habits, you know, bad dump and chase or, or you know, bad, uh, bad cough-ups at the offensive blue line when you're pressured. Those types of things are what we've seen when the Flames get frustrated or get off their game a little bit in some of these losses that we've seen through the first 10. So that would be more than anything else. But I mean, if, if you can find a way down uh, to slow, find a way rather to slow down McDavid and his line, I mean, you're not stopping him. McDavid is going to have probably four or five flashes tonight, at least where he looks like he could score in the blink of an eye. I think that's unavoidable when you play 97. Uh, but if you can, slow down the or or limit the amount that that line has you on its heels and, and has you running around. That's probably the biggest key for me. I'm curious to see who Jeff Ward deploys. 
against the McDavid line? Do we see Lindholm up against him um, for most of the night? If, if, they, if they're going to stick with Lindholm, Kachuk, and Dubé, do we see that line out against the McDavid line for the most part? Did they, did they go with Backlund? With a, Backlund's had some success going up against that line. Do we see Matt Backlund, Mangiapane almost in a defensive first role going up against McDavid? That's what I'm really curious about. Um, because if you can slow that down and not let him absolutely trounce you, then you've got a you've got a very decent chance to maybe let your depth, which we believe to be superior, uh, maybe let that depth go to work. Patty, thank you very much. Travel safe to the dome tonight. We'll hear you in just a little under three hours. Yeah, luckily it's a ten block drive, so I think I'm good, boys. Uh, be well. Have a good rest <laughs> of your show. Say hi to Bender for me. We'll do, Pat. See you, Pat. Take care. Talk to you soon. There you go, Pat Stein. Pat Steinberg joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Yeah, Riley, it's going to be a huge game tonight. I think with that four, five, six, that Euler flame cannot, they're going to be beating up each other. And that's who's going to come out on top with that four seed. It's going to be a fun one tonight. Yeah, it certainly will. And eight o'clock start late ones. So it's always nice when the flames win during those late ones. Cause it, uh, it can make overtime a little long <laughs> if, uh, if they drop those to the Oilers and, uh, I'm working the game. So hopefully the flames can pull out a win for me. I know they'll be thinking of me. Get you yourself a nap after we're done the show here. Okay, <laughs> coming around the corner here, we got John Bender, former uh, Calgary Stampede. He's going to talk Super Bowl 55. This is Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Back to Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sportsnet Today. Patrick Dumas, Riley Pollock along with you for another half hour on Sportsnet 960 Got a big one tomorrow, Super Bowl 55, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we go down that Atlas Pizza Sports Bar guest hotline. And we are joined by John Bender. John loves to, well, he's a former Cali Stampeder, former Nevada Wolfpack. John, how the heck are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, guys. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just trying to stay warm. Uh, let's just get right into this here. Uh, so we saw what, uh, without Eric Fisher now, at uh, the left tackle spot, Mike Rammers would might step in. We saw what Shaq Barrett and JPP did to Green Bay without David Bakhtiari. Do you think they could have similar success and get Mahomes off his game enough to maybe, you know, really force him to make a mistake? You know, I think that's the million-dollar question. I think that's the premier matchup to watch this weekend is what the Kansas City Chiefs are able to do with their offensive line. Uh, now, when you lose a couple offensive linemen, now they've lost for the season, I believe, three offensive linemen, the left tackle, the right tackle, one of their guards. And one of their guards uh, is Lorraine Duvernay-Tardif, who uh, took the season off as well. So that offensive line from last Super Bowl to this Super Bowl is a whole different uh, situation. Anyways, that being said, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are able to pass rush with, you know, four guys, and they're able to get to the backfield. And you saw what they were able to do last week when the Packers didn't have Bakhtiari, their premier left tackle. So now the Chiefs are able to they're going to have to shuffle the deck here, and it's not always just put one guy in a new position. It's often move the left guard to the right tackle, the right guard moves to center. So that they move a lot of different spots, and it's going to be challenging for them 
But, I mean, all these guys are pros. They've all done this before, whether it was in college or at the pro level, and they've all played in different positions before, and it's going to be a big challenge. And we saw a few few games ago when uh, we saw, you know, when – when Mahomes got hit or got turf toe from getting hit, mm-hmm. that that Kansas City Chiefs offense becomes a whole different animal. So if you can get uh, some pressure on Mahomes and they can get a couple licks on him, it might be the difference in the game. Agreed. Uh, now with the quarterback matchup, uh, it's probably one of the greatest of all time. Agreed? Brady Mahomes? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, the the interesting thing to me when we look at this, if you look at, you know, you want to talk greatest of all time conversation and basketball, a lot of people argue right now that that's Jordan or LeBron. It would have been great to see them match up. Well, we very well might be seeing that match up in football terms be playing out right now in front of us between Tom Brady, who has six rings, Patrick Mahomes, who's fourth season in the NFL, you know, he didn't play much his first year, NFL MVP second year, Super Bowl championship third year, back in the Super Bowl fourth year. You know, if Mahomes is able to win, he'll have two championships to Brady's six. If Brady's able to win, he's going to have seven to Mahomes' one. And I think that it's going to be really challenging for Mahomes to catch him at seven. But if he has six and he has two, they're only four away. Who knows? We'll see what happens here. Uh, now, looking at the coaches, Andy Reid, Bruce Arians, they've been around this game for a very long time. Andy, obviously, winning the Super Bowl as a head coach last year. But Bruce Arians been in this game a long time. He's won as an assistant. Who's got the coaching advantage? I got to lead towards Andy Reid here. Uh, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, they've been, you know, premier the last few years. What he's been able to do on offense, he almost seems like a wizard, right? He's got some spread looks. He's got some West Coast offense in there. He does a lot of great things that, uh, you know, he keeps defenses honest. And, you know, you look at what they're able to do on offense, basically all the wide receivers are just speed. Those, what do those guys do? They run really fast. And underneath they have Travis Kelsey, who's big and catches everything. And oh, by the way, in the backfield, they got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell, who are both, you know, great running backs as well. So his personnel and what he's been able to do with it, um, I would lean towards that. I know that on defense, uh, Tampa does some interesting things with that 3-4 look and, uh, you know, what they're able to do with Arians over there. But uh, I would lean towards Andy Reid. Now, one more for me. We're looking at, you always get surprise players. There's always, you know, ones that show up randomly, win MVP, or become like an X Factor, make a key catch, interception, et cetera. Both sides, give me a player from Kansas City, give me a player from Tampa Bay that could make a real impact tomorrow that we're not so much talking about today. Uh, Kansas City, I'd look at one of their really fast wide receivers that's not Tyreek Hill, so maybe Hardman. He's able to, you know, when they do those little east-west run games where they have a wide receiver who just runs in front by the goal line or they're able to do things where they get these wide receivers in motion, some of those wide receivers have been able to pick up big yardage the last few weeks with things like that, and they're going to use a lot of that, I think, to help slow down the Buccaneers' defensive line. And if one of those big plays breaks and they end up with a 70-yard touchdown or something, that might be a key play in the game. For Tampa Bay, I would look directly to their defensive line. And Dominican Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, those two guys, Vita Vey, the causing you know ruckus in the backfield. If Tampa Bay wins, I mean, Tom Brady's going to be involved, don't get me wrong, but I think it's going to be you know the, what the defense was able to do and what they were able to do to make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable. With John Bender, former Calgary Stampeder, football analyst for Sportsnet 960, we're breaking down the Super Bowl. 
Bender, if uh, if the Chiefs can't establish a run game against that nasty Bucks O line, do you think they can still be successful in this game? Yeah, I mean, to give you a short answer, no. I mean, they can do some interesting things. I mean, it doesn't always work out to be a rushing attempt. When they do those end of rounds where the wide receiver comes in front and Patrick Mahomes flips on the ball, it's called a pass, but it's essentially ran as a run play. So they do some things like that so where, you know, they can do some different things on offense. What they need to do is make sure that that defense is tired, first of all, running around chasing guys because that D-line is stout and you don't want them to be too comfortable. So you've got to have some long drives. You've got to be able to wear them down and, uh, you know, Running the football is a great way to do that. Some of the other plays that Andy Reid mixes in, whether it's run-pass options, things like that, where he gets the offensive line moving and hitting these guys will be better better fit, especially when you look at you know the premier talent on their offensive line is injured, whether it's Fisher or the other, the right tackle, Mitchell Schwartz. You know, these guys that are backups typically don't have the finesse that those guys do to, you know, do things in the pass game. So whether it's play action, whether it's, you know, run game, whether it's these unique plays that they've been calling lately, some of those things will help uh, them to wear out the Buccaneers' D-line. And is this the best defense that the Chiefs have faced so far all playoffs? Is this maybe the best defense in the playoffs period that they're going to face on Sunday? You know, very well could be. I think it's the best defensive front. I mean, it's an experienced defensive front, um, whether it's Ndamukong Sue, Vita Vey. These guys have been around the block. It's not their first year in the league. Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, they got a lot of talent right there at the line of scrimmage, and I think that's where it causes problems. And you saw the Packers last week. You know, I was, you know, the same guy, you know, a month ago that thought, you know, who's going to stop Aaron Rodgers? This is Aaron Rodgers' year. He's been playing at an MVP level. And the Buccaneers' defense was able to slow him down. So, I mean, the Buccaneers, you know, it's probably going to be, you know, that, I think that's going to be the biggest difference for them winning the game. Now, who knows? Tom Brady might come out and light up the world too, but maybe that ends up being the Buccaneers giving him favorable field position, making sure the Chiefs' defense is tired, things like that could play in as well. All right. What is your prediction for tomorrow? Who are you leaning between these two teams? You know, it's a tough, it's a tough one, tough matchup because you know the Chiefs seemingly throughout all the injuries, everything that's happened to them, they rarely lose lately. But can you bet against Tom Brady? That's the other side of this coin. So as I look at this, you know, more and more, and I keep looking at this defensive line playing against this offensive line that's a bunch of backups for the Chiefs, I got to lean towards the Bucks and think that the Bucks have a great opportunity to win this game. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to be the big matchup to watch. And, uh, you know, Tom Brady's going to do Tom Brady things out there, I'm sure, as well. So I would lean towards the Bucks to win this matchup. Yeah, I think I'm I'm feeling the same way, but it hurts because I'd rather Mahomes pick up the win. Um, now, one more for me. It's probably the most important question. What is your go-to Super Bowl snack? What's what's the number one snack in the Bender household watching tomorrow's game? So I I tell everybody this, uh, you know, for Super Bowl, it's there's only a few times a year where you can you know go full happy platter, right? Where you don't yeah. need to sit down and have a full cheeseburger or a pizza or whatever. But you can go chicken wings, nachos, and try kind of a few different things. So I would lean heavy towards that. Uh, I would stay away from anything too spicy. You don't want to ruin your day. 
with any of those things. But yeah, I mean, just, yeah, I would say chicken wings, nachos, maybe some, you know, other quesadillas, some bites like that, just where you can kind of graze for, you know, because the Super Bowl is going to be, you know, close to four hours when you get the halftime show and everything in there. So, yeah, I mean, there's a few times a year where you're able to do that. You might as well take advantage of it. Exactly. Got to keep the energy up for uh, for that whole game. Could be a boring one. I doubt it. Last one for me, Bender. A Hall of Fame uh, and awards tonight. We think Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson are first ballot Hall of Famers. You think Calvin Johnson gets in on his first try, or does he have to wait? You know, Calvin Johnson, it's a, it's a good question. He was a dominant wide receiver for a long mm-hmm. time. He was the best wide receiver probably in football for at least five years. But he's got no playoff wins. He's got no playoff success. He's got no championships. And he retired at a young age around 30. So this will be a nice litmus test for a lot of players that are kind of at the same point in their careers where you know they did retire around age 30 you know if i was up to me and it was me doing the ballot i would vote them in but i'm going to look at the you know the people voting probably aren't going to let them get in right away because of the you know championships and how much emphasis they put on that (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see what happens with stafford people like to love love to talk about his stats but he was throwing to calvin johnson for a big portion of his career too so yeah I also think you can't uh, put Johnson in first if Reggie Wayne's not in yet. Yeah, I, I mean, head to head, you got to think Calvin Johnson's the better athlete, the better player, of course, better numbers. I mean, yeah, if Cal, imagine if Calvin Johnson played with Peyton Manning. <laughs> imagine if oh Calvin Johnson was able to play with one of these premier quarterbacks, right? Oh my God! Yeah, he'd be might might knock off Jerry Rice's records, a few of them at least. Anyways, yeah, Bender, like thanks. When Randy Moss was able to team yeah. up with Tom Brady, and we saw what those numbers became, oh, right? My God, yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Benner. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Stay warm, and uh, we'll have, we'll have you on soon, hopefully. All right, great. Thank you. Right, See you, Bender. It's John Bender joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Riley. What do you like? Well, well, I, you know, save that. We're going to talk Super Bowl preview predictions, <laughs> maybe some betting. You like the bets. And, I uh, like betting. Or you like betting. I actually might. I stop betting for a bit. I am actually do a little bit tomorrow just for fun. I don't know. Those prop bets are pretty pretty interesting. I, I, I don't know. Did yeah. you see that? Uh, <laughs> did you see that guy uh, who recorded the uh, national anthem outside the stadium, the practice? Yeah. And now they've taken it off of most gambling sites, that bet. So he ruined a prop bet. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not. Well, yeah, around <laughs> around the corner, we got Super Bowl preview. Flames, Oilers, more Habs, Senators they played earlier. Toronto, Vancouver, NHL tonight, Super Bowl 55 tomorrow. All this and more. Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sportsnet Today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, the fan, Calgary. Final segment on Sportsnet Today. Patrick Dumas, Riley Pollock along with you. Six games in the NHL today, including the Flames and Oilers in round one of the Battle of Alberta. The Flames will debut their reverse retro jerseys. Blasty, he is back. Got the Habs, 2-1 winners over the Ottawa Senators. Coyotes beat the Blues 3-1. How about those Habs, Riles? You're, you're pretty familiar with them. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I kind of figured they might have a letdown game at some point in these two against Ottawa. It happened in the first one. 
Jake Allen, big dub today, 34 saves, and uh, the Habs back on track. Yeah, Josh Anderson continues to be one of the probably the best pickup, I would think, from this past offseason. Maybe Toffoli as well, but that yeah. Anderson Domi trade, oof. Anderson, if he can stay healthy, he's going to do a lot of good for the Le Habitant. Oilers Flames, Riley, what's your thoughts on tonight's game? I agree with uh, Pat Steinberg. I think it'll be a big bounce back game for the Flames, and they are going to be in this one. Uh, nothing like a huge battle of Alberta to get get you back in the right mind state. I think uh, maybe just a little bit flat the last couple games, and there's no way they come out flat against Edmonton tonight. Come on. You'd think, but yeah. Uh, but no, uh, Adam Lowry had a good quote after that uh, last Jets-Flames game. He said he think the he thought the Jets center depth wore the Flames out over that series, and I, you know, like they Calgary does not have a they're not that big down the middle. They don't have a lot of big players, so I could see that a bigger team could wear them out. But Edmonton, kind of top heavy, so again, you cannot stop McDavid and Drysaddle. You can only can contain them, but uh, you know, I, you got to get you got to think Jacob Markstrom is going to be the number one star tonight. If, yeah, if, if they the want to win, he's, win. Yeah. yeah, it's and uh, looks like the total on the uh, over under is six and a half, and uh, I would uh, I would think to maybe lean the over in this one. Yeah, could be a could be, four I, three five three kind of game. Edmonton's defense isn't great. Ethan mm-hmm. Bear out of the lineup tonight, uh, and McDavid and Drysaddle seem to put up four or five points per game. So uh, it it could be a high scoring one, as a lot of the Oilers games have been so far this year. Agreed. Uh, Super Bowl Fifty Five tomorrow. Uh, I don't know. What are, you? You're a better, right? You like to bet. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll bet here and there. Okay. Uh, what are some <laughs> of your favorite props? Uh, I've already got got in on one. Um, the weekend performing at the at the uh, Super Bowl tomorrow, and there was one that I saw that was. Uh, will he mention? In Canada at any point during his performance it was plus 400 so I you know throw 10 bucks down on that bad boy that's that's what I've started with I like to bet on the Gatorade color that gets dumped on the winning coach as well I was going to bet on the national anthem over under but can't do that anymore so those are some props that uh, I'm leaning I usually bet on the first player to score kind of thing as well those are usually some pretty good odds you pick four or five guys um so yeah, I don't know. I, I'm all over the map with betting, and usually I do it day of, but I did get in on that the weekend one already. Yeah, it's at, it's at plus 375 now. Now, why? I get he's Canadian, but, like, why would he mention Canada? I just don't understand I don't know, it. <laughs> but I'll take the odds. Like, uh, yes, that's good. It's easy money if he says Canada once. But, <laughs> at any uh, point, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just don't see a reason why he would even say Canada. But, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, how many times will Bill Belichick be mentioned? Over one, under one. The under is the favorite at plus two sixty-five. I don't know. Oh, I, I would take gonna... the over on that. Oh God! I think Romo and Nance—they're going to talk that New England Belichick Brady stuff up all game. I think that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what else we got yeah. here? We got uh, how many times will Roger Goodell be shown? Over one and a half, under one and a half. Will Trump be mentioned? Doubtful. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah. bet on that one. No. Um, uh, are you? Have you given your prediction yet? Are you, Are you leaning one way or the other? I have not. I've been 
Like, I picked Kansas City probably last week. Figured they have the Chiefs are too good. But also, like, I've just the legacy with Brady. He's gonna if he wins on Sunday, he'll have more Super Bowls than NFL teams do. Six is the most. He'll have seven. Yeah. Which like it's a good story. Like I can't like I can't quit Brady in the Super Bowl because it's just I've always cheered for him in this game. I don't know why. I've just all like mainly because the, the Giants beat the Packers on their way to Super Bowl victories. But <laughs> no, it's it's just exciting to see what Tom can do and I think it's scary for the rest of the league if he does play past 45. Yeah, and, uh, like, I th- I have a feeling the Bucks are going to win, but I just can't bet it. I'm taking the Bucks plus three and a half, but I'm taking KC money line is what, uh, is what my plan is. So I think it's going to be a three-point game. KC wins by three is what I'm betting, but, like, there's always just, like, Tom Brady in the back of your head that's saying, like, oh, okay, like, bet against me. Do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Lose more money. I think the Chiefs, I think it's Patrick Mahomes' time. I think the Chiefs do win this game. I think they might, like, I don't think they get off big like they did in their regular season meeting. I think it's going to be close throughout. But, again, this team, you give them the opportunity. If you punt more than twice, you're probably not winning this game (laughs) if you're the Tampa Bay. It's going to have to be up and down the field. You're going to have to keep up. Yeah, uh, for sure. And they're probably the the offense to do it. I think so. Like with, with the Bucks, yeah, they have the more names in the wide receiver core, but that Chiefs team is fast. It's stupid fast. And we've seen what they can do. They saw what they can do to Buffalo. Patrick Mahomes is a wizard, but Brady, man, he's it's something else when he gets onto his Super Bowl stage. All day tomorrow, fantasy show will get you started 6 a.m. To eight leading up to inside the lines all day super bowl coverage on sports and 960 westwood one's pregame will start at noon taking up the kickoff at 4 30 for the kansas city chiefs and the tampa bay buccaneers from raymond james stadium in tampa florida you can listen to it right here on Sportsnet 960 the fan coming up next little cbs sports radio leading you up to flames game day live at six flames warm up at seven and then play-by-play of round one of the Battle of Alberta, Flames Oilers, 8 o'clock, Sportsnet 960. You can watch it on the CBC. Riles, it's been fun. Stay warm. I know you've got probably a busy night ahead of you. Yeah, it's going to be a long night, but uh, it, it's going to be a fun night considering the Battle of Alberta's back, and uh, I can fully focus on that game tonight. So uh, no complaints on my end. I get to do a pretty fun job tonight. Exactly. Going to be fun. Excited for Blasty. Thank you to our producer, Kyle Lauderdale. For Riley Pollock, I'm Patrick Dumas. This is Sportsnet Today. This has been Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.